this is FIA Goes PC. And we're at 23, which is my lucky number. And there's a long reason of why that is my lucky number. Uh, long reason being a very famous guy called Michael Jordan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but that was his shirt number. And He's it's, pretty famous. Is he? Well, not to the kids now. It's quite remarkable because back in my day, the guy was a bit of a god, to be honest. Basketball legend, Michael Jordan. His shirt number was 23. And it followed me around that number because a lot of players that I love in various sports have taken that number. It's just a good number. Very good number. So uh, that was random. Uh, as you can tell, I am here with our producer, as always, Winifred Mark. Say hello. Hello. And I am your host, Danny Hale, aka Rebel Zen. We are talking exactly where we left off on FIA Gets Chewed, which was for season one. It was our last wrap-up for season one. Uh, the Amazon Prime season has concluded. We've got all six episodes out there. And the topic, of course, is Celebrity. We were talking briefly about the balmy, crazy world of YouTube celebrity, mm. ironically, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I just wanted to finish where we sort of set off on that because there's a bit of conflict here. Um, I think it's quite debatable what actually makes a YouTube celebrity, as you could tell. I, I have my own rational way of thinking of it, and I suppose you have your own rational way of thinking of it. But there are quite a lot of conflictions. I think you were right in saying anything that's got a successful uh, subscribe listing is arguably a celebrity on YouTube. Mm. And you're right. It is crazy. But it's it's also quite weird to me how we live in that time of subscription. Yes. You know, I, I think one thing that was very important to me, and it's been testament really since the start of this podcast, was that you should really feel if you like the program, subscribe like or share or whatever yeah but you shouldn't feel pressured into it you know and i feel like this is one thing that sort of irks me a little bit with things that are out there rival podcasts or whatever who force you to subscribe because they make money if if they get x amount of subscriptions eh? yeah it's a weird one it's kind of funny because um you know doing a program ourselves one of the things you actually told me not to do is don't tell people to subscribe because if they want to, they will. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that's, you know, of course, if you want to regularly check in on us or anything that we're doing, you would. It's a natural thing. You don't need to be told. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the five-star ratings. Yeah. Really. That you get all over the place. If you like something, rate it five stars. If you're kind of indecisive, go lower. You know, it, it, you should never feel forced to these kind of things, I feel. Um but on the same note, don't do the flip. Don't just zero everything just to create anarchy. Of course you can. That's entertainment in itself, I suppose. But that's kind of leaning towards the conversation I wanted to have in this part of the subject of celebrity mm -hmm. is to talk about the kind of context of pressures and the uh, curve. Because a lot of people don't hear a first sort of day account of everything you go through when you are on the road to becoming a celebrity. Mm -hmm. To keep it rational for everyone at home, you got to think of this as you could be doing anything. You could be a postman or anything like this, any profession that you can think about. But if you become extraordinary at it or you've done something exceptional, like discovered a new way of dealing the mail, the guy who ran FedEx or UPS or something like this, the first ever DHL delivery or whatever. Sure. It's almost like the creator of that concept is seen as a celebrity by some, anyone who's interested in that field. So really a celebrity can pop up in any field. Mm -hmm. We are focused, and we said this in a uh, YouTube uh, show, but we are focused quite primarily on the word star. Yeah. And that's a whole different celebrity, really. That's someone that's got so much attention, I suppose, you can't not notice them. You know, they're world famous. Yeah, and they tend to have a lot of charisma as well, like people who come into the spotlight. Yeah. yeah I mean, you have quite a few things, really, in that context, because you have, we said uh, there's the notorious element, and then there's the uh, famous because everyone seems to default to that particular thing. A name comes to mind that's very closely linked to the show, and that's William Shakespeare, mm -hmm. which we wanted to do a bit of a joke about, bearing in mind that we are very close to his birthplace yes. here. You've heard us talking about this before in a podcast when we were filming and the sort of uh, visits that we took to, to Stratford-upon-Avon. 
but it's a hugely famous place. The tourism trade is centralised entirely around Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't just spread from Stratford. It goes all the way into Birmingham, all the way into surrounding areas, and even London. Mm-hmm. It's a good 150 miles away. You know, there's a couple of nods to him in Oxford as well, because it's that predominant. We're mm-hmm. very proud of the association because the world is watching and reading Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting, really, when you build up these names, because that kind of celebrity is an, a kind of an immortal one, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a few icons out there that we can think of and name. Elvis Presley is one, mm. Bob Marley, the Beatles, which we always go back to. Yeah. But there are some seriously iconic names out there in more recent times as well as way, way long ago in the past. Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, who's mm. just appeared on our £10 notes. That's right. You know, got Darwin, controversial uh, about evolution. Controversial only in the case of... You accept him or you don't. Mm. <laughs> it is what it is. Albert Einstein, who, crazy eccentric, so you could say genius stroke inventor, really, because he added quite a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. You've also got Leonardo da Vinci, all the famous artists, the composers, Mozart, Beethoven, etc., etc. You've got, like, a list as long as you can think of. But there are certain things about uh, modern-day gossip-led celebrity, which... I find quite intriguing. It's been nothing new. We sort of skirted around this in, in YouTube as well, but it's it's that kind of thing that in modern time, especially now with social media and the internet, there's a lot of audience control over a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I like to put it into like a mathematic equation. Like what is a celebrity to us? Yeah. Is someone that we can deeply appreciate what they've done, be it a chef, be it an artist, be it a musician, be it a film star, be it an entertainer of whatever a novelist, etc., or a sports athletic hero, all of these things. Mm-hmm. But we have this power to make or break them, yeah. possibly more than the media now, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So we use the words uh, media because way back when it was the tabloid papers that had this kind of control. So if there was controversy or they spread stories, I don't know if anyone's listening uh, in America right now. In the UK, we had The Sun, Uh, which is quite a notorious paper here, tabloid, that literally creates stories quite a lot. Um, And I don't mind saying it. Like, big problems with that paper, really. You've also got the fact that in the US you've got the National Enquirer, which is always making outrageous claims like, you know, Elvis Presley was an alien from the planet. It's definitely... uh, (laughs) Whatever. Its intention is to entertain as opposed to inform. (laughs) Yeah, there's almost like a grain of truth and then an essay of lies. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of these weird things. But this was classic. This is how we raised. And then social media now has become no one really cares what the tabloids are saying. We've all kind of accepted that there's not a lot of truth in that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what we're now finding in this field of audience participation in film in narrative in everything, including restaurant views, everything you can think of is that everyone's got such a stark opinion. And that acts like the media. You can promote a celebrity or you can destroy a celebrity in fields of mass opinion, you know. Yeah. A very clear case in point is this current scandal, really, that we have nodded to before, but it's this current scandal where there's all of this, people are coming forward with the assaults in Hollywood and the sexual advances and the predator nature of mm-hmm. certain celebrities and stuff. Again, this is nothing really new. A hundred and fifty years or so since Hollywood's first ever, you know, launch, this was going on there. You will always find this in places of power. There's controversy, yeah. especially when it's run into a mentality of generational corruption like that. And quite often, that's politics and that's the arena of business. It's it's a lot of things. Yeah. It's not simply Hollywood. Hollywood just so happens to be one of the things that everyone's most interested in reading about, you Mm. know. But we have this situation where it's almost like we likened it to a witch hunt. And it's one of these things where you can't deny it has to change. The whole construct of all of this stuff is a nightmare. It always has been, you know. And it's something that a lot of our generation, I guess the younger people now, are kind of fed up with. I mean, it's almost like, shouldn't it be a happy place when you're creating... Should there be any darkness in it? I mean, to the layman person, the everyday Joe Schmo in the the world, you kind of look at Hollywood and you think, 
how can you be like that when you've got everything? You've got the mansion, you've got all of this, you've got one of the best jobs in the world, the most coveted job in the world. Mm-hmm. You can walk into a restaurant and get free meals because, you know, you're selling. Who you are. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. And you get all of these perks. So how the hell can you be that dark and messed up? And it was one of these things, another close thing to this, it's the uh, topic of Scientology where you've got these communities built up, especially in Los Angeles and Hollywood area, with Scientology. It's quite, it's on everyone's lips right now, Scientology, because we're trying to demystify it. You know, we're really trying to look at it and trying to crack it. Is it a cult? Is it a legitimate thing? Is it a nightmare? Is it a horror story? You know, we love the idea of conspiracy with our celebrities. That's really the point I'm getting to. And I think... There's always a duality to these conversations. You've got to look at everything with a rational mindset of predominantly, let's not disrespute this is a legal scenario in many cases with the sexual predators of Hollywood. And if they get pulled to the surface in trial, it could change and evolve it forever. It could be that spotlight we need it to be to end it mm-hmm. once and for all. Yeah. But it's also a case of what if it isn't? What if it's non-conclusive? What if it's all based on conjecture? And then this story just disperses and we hear about it again in 150 years' time. You know, you've really got to decide it's one way or the other. And I'm hoping that we can put a spotlight and rid ourselves of this kind of darkness. Yeah, I think the key point, when there's power, then there is corruption. Like people become corrupted in positions of power. Yeah. If, you know, they take everything for granted and... Well, I always, I always try to find, um, I'm one of these people that applies logic. So I'm always trying to, I'm kind of one of these guys that if, if you get wing of something that is really just somewhat you can't understand with logic, you really can't apply logic to it. You get fascinated. It's very similar to um, when you have a super trial like the OJ Simpson trial. Yeah. And that's a celebrity story oh, in yeah. itself. Yeah. And you want to know everything you can. You want all the details. You, you become kind of obsessed with a context, and everyone's got an opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's also that I've had very close encounters with a few of these people that are mentioned in these scandals, you know. Right. And so for me, it's almost like I'm looking at it going, wow, you know, it's really quite a reveal because I wouldn't associate this. Harvey Weinstein's a name that I'll mention because I wouldn't have ever associated it with him considering what he did for new talent in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's what him and his brother Bob were all about. And yet, when this story comes out, years later, now, when it's current, you kind of do look at it and go, wow, it's one of these facades, isn't it? And it's it's really quite a mystery, really. Like, I try and look at it like, what could be the cause? Yeah. Because sometimes people do not understand how crippling the life of celebrity gets. We do focus on the glamour. We do focus on the fact that you get everything almost you can possibly dream of Mm -hmm. but that's one of these things really therefore end of the challenge of life Mm. when you've got everything what's the point yeah you know and so you've always got to rationalize that part of it and say we're looking at this on the surface going this is monstrosities very dark stuff dark matter and yet no one's really coming out publicly and going i'm trying to understand this you know i'm trying to get why the motivation can be this you know some people have alluded to the fact that it's an old boys club, mm-hmm. that kind of corruption. And it was very much how things ran, yeah. you know, for so long. And so they excuse it to be that, which is insane in itself yeah. to a point. But, I suppose if you're trying to climb the ladder, it is like if you are trying to, if you see the culture and you go against it, then you're probably going to be the one that falls well, I think, at that point in time. I think it's like any of us in industry, mm-hmm. um, that we can look at any industry where there is a, a high pressure control tier at the top when you're talking billionaires riding there when and how do you challenge yeah the, you know well you you feel i suppose that logically at the when you break in into these industries you feel like you're just so thankful that you've got the opportunity <laughs> that you know there is that nightmare story of it you allow a certain a degree of abuse just to get to that position mm-hmm. you know but maybe it's more the case where You've also got to protect yourself. And I think a lot of people don't understand this about celebrity. If you do anything controversial and it's seen every corner of the planet, if you have some kind of meltdown, 
per se. Like, yeah. do you remember the Britney Spears scandal? Yeah. I mean, that was insane and everyone was judging her. You can say to yourself, well, once that story breaks out, how do you rebuild? Yeah. But it's funny, isn't it? Because Ally loves the rebuild story. <laughs> so if you pick yourself up, you do something that's considered moralistically acceptable for your crimes or your sins or your failings or whatever, they'll love you again. I think there is a line in the sand, though, when it gets as dark as it's getting mm. right now. It seems like people are zeroing in and just destroying these careers, these mm. careers of people. Well, it's, I think it's really difficult, especially for um, young people like uh, child stars um, or people who are coming into the spotlight, you know, not just in film, but like in politics or whatever, who are quite young and they're saying certain things and they're being spotlit for it. They might not fully understand the situation, but because of their celebrity, then they are... They're almost accountable. Everything that they say and do in the public eye because of their status is accountable for the future. Well, I think it's it's the case of when you have a certain degree of fame, especially within the media, within the tabloid and the news industry, there's a certain degree of bitterness that's felt by success. Um, so when you rise to success and you're kind of the golden boy, you're untouchable. Mm-hmm. A good example of this, and I mentioned Scientology, but a really good example of this is Tom Cruise. For many, many years, Tom Cruise was at the top of everything. Yeah. He was the number one box office draw. He was the biggest star in, in LA, you know, in the industry, really, worldwide. Mm-hmm. And then it almost felt like everyone was looking for that thing to break that kind of celebrity. Mm-hmm. You can't have this one guy riding the coast forever. We'll have to break him down. We'll find something on him. And that's the kind of investigative journalism that happens in paparazzi and in, yeah. in the celebrity gossip wing. You're always looking for that thing that breaks people. And the only thing really on Tom Cruise is his connection to Scientology. And then then people are saying he's crazy. Well, I don't think he ever has been. Mm-hmm. I think that's an argument. I don't think he ever has been. People who have worked with him and, and taught about him quite openly on things like YouTube and mm-hmm. interviews, Joe Rogan's show and podcasts and stuff, because he's focused in on Scientology quite a lot. I actually feel like he doesn't come across crazy. I think you've also got to have this kind of concept where what is his community and his faith and his religion and what he believes in, if it's doing good, it's not crazy. You know, you see two sides to these things where Mm. some people have it mapped out and it's a positive thing for them. And then some stories are really dark and twisted. And it's usually the normals. It's not the high rolling. I, I have a theory and it's quite controversial with the Tom Cruise thing and the celebrity circuit. I think he's supporting a mate. I don't think he's as attached as we all have claimed him to be. I actually think he's just supporting his friend, right. Dave, the, the leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think... It's almost like doing him a favor. Yeah. I think it's almost... Um, the overall thing in Tom Cruise's mind is probably it is a good thing. There's a community outreach. It's an empowering thing to be a part of as far as his side of it. Yeah. And his friend seems like a decent chap, whatever to him. Yeah. It's almost asking for an endorsement of your famous mate. Yeah. I have that theory. I don't think Tom Cruise is pulled in deep as people have said. And I think there's a lot of people embittered by his success, which is a really weird thing to me. Like how people find this bitterness over success when we all really go in droves to see these stories and these fictions and these and celebrate their talents. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how in the human realm we can uh, build people up to smash them down. I really don't, unless it's deserved, unless there is this darkness, you know? Well, talking about celebrity culture, as I mentioned in in the YouTube clip, there's now this massive trolling culture as well. Yeah. That's kind of paralleled it. Well, interestingly enough, because I've mentioned him briefly, but Joe Rogan, who's someone I've been watching quite a lot of, mostly for research, I like to see what's out there. And his sensibilities have constantly been uh, quite brilliant, actually. Mm -hmm. He's quite fair. His opinions are quite good. He's very popular as well. If you don't know who he is, he's one of the lead commentators in the UFC. He uh, also used to be a host of Fear Factor back when I was a kid, and there's loads of things the guy's done. He's a stand-up too, a comedian. But he's done a lot of good, I feel, in his uh, spotlights on his podcast to a lot of people. But there's one thing that I I always know 
he's quite definitive with his answers. You know, like he's he'll write people off quite quickly. A good example of this is someone that's been quite notorious for many years now, which is Sia LaBeouf, mm -hmm. who recently I came across one of these episodes where they were talking about this thing that he was doing as an installation yeah. about uh, we will not be divided. I think it was an anti-Trump sentiment mm -hmm. where he put a camera in some random art exhibition and gets people to sort of chant and rant and stuff like this. It's like a live stream. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. Which he's done a lot of these weird stunts. Yeah. Um, you've got to look at this in two ways, I feel. There's a huge leaning, I would say, of humanitarian sort of evolution, where we're all trying to care that bit more. And often we've discussed this, quite often it ends up rageful. It ends up almost like you're caring so much that you become militant with your opinion, and then it becomes straight blind rage almost. And the trolling culture, you can actually argue that's what Shia LaBeouf's doing. Mm. You can actually argue that all of this stuff we think is crazy is actually just trolling everything. You, you just don't know. Yeah. But if you wanted to guess that the guy was mentally unstable, I don't understand why you can go on record and belittle the guy and start slamming him and all of this when you should really be saying... Man, I hope he gets the care that he needs because he looks like he's off the rails. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because one thing I'm finding is we're living this hypocrisy. A celebrity dies and everyone comes forward and says, oh, yeah, we saw that. You know, they were suffering depression and all of this stuff. And it's really tragic. And everyone wants the limelight. And it's the same thing with the Weinstein stuff. Everyone's coming out now and it's just everyone's accusing everyone. It's this crazy trend that's happening. It's almost like you know, have more confidence people, you know, like you can't have that hypocrisy. It's almost like you hide behind someone who's building up trends because of their actions mm. and everyone wants to, to join in. You'll see on all of the late night talk shows that everyone's got a joke lined up, yeah. ready to, you know, fire and all of this yeah. stuff. So, about I mean, talking things. about talk shows is when you see a talk show host sort of, they're really good friends with a certain celebrity and then the celebrity goes down and suddenly they're like, you know. Well, Donald Trump's a really good um, example of that. The, it just seems very contradictory. Like. <clears throat> yeah, it's a hypocrisy. Like, it feels really quite shallow because you're in an industry where essentially everyone's in the same industry and they've got the same pressures. And it should be really an alumni feeling. But it's it's almost like if the social media, and that's another switch, it's social media that sets the hypocrisy now. Mm. It used to be tabloids, as I said. Now it's totally the trends running on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. It's almost this sentiment where talk shows or anything that's in the uh, that kind of media has this shallow belief that unless it's catering to the loudest voice out there, you know, yeah. it's going to lose its audience, which I think is stupid because anyone with real talent, and this is kind of a challenge, anyone with real talent doesn't think like that. Mm -hmm. They don't need to think like that. Now, to these people who run talk shows out there, even podcasts, who are doing this sense of hypocrisy, who are guilty of it, you can also forgive them a tiny bit because it's been written for them in a lot of cases mm. podcasts less so but talk shows definitely yeah. and it might just be that popularism you know they're trying to get the popular they're trying to hit swing. those yeah. those notes so it, you know but it's that, that it's, it's really that sad you know you've got to look at it's like if there are people that are tormented you don't just build on the torment yeah. and slam them down and then hope that they all perish one sickening thing and it is actually a personal story that I'm connected to was uh, Heath Ledger's death. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually knew Heath Ledger for a while, and everything about that tragedy was... It was remarkably sad for me because I just did not see that in him. And I, for one, could never believe he could um, overdose or anything like this. I mean, if it's an accident, we'll never know. It's one of these mysteries. And like I said, it often becomes conspiracy, a lot of these things. But it was just that reaction that everyone had their belief it was because he played the Joker and it's such an extreme role and that he buried himself into it, it made him slightly crazy. Mm. It's really insulting to me to read stuff like that because yeah. all he was was a very amazing artist. There's no way I don't think, knowing the guy, that he, he would have been that shallow, you know, that emotionally challenged. I think he probably saw it as the best role he ever had. And when people just stockpile these theories 
And his celebrities like Jack Nicholson popped up and started saying, well, it was tough for me so I can relate to it. It's almost like it could be out of context too. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson maybe yeah. never said it like, you know, that blatantly or that black and white. We had a massive loss in the world of film that day, you know. And it's just so sad that people are running through theories and theories and theories, even now, linking to it. It really upsets me. You you take the concept of, you know, when John Lennon died, you know, everyone came up with a theory on that too. You get all this mystery and all of this stuff and the conspiracy pops up mm-hmm. and it becomes a hypocrisy. Anyone's taken advantage of a tragedy. It's really sad, you know. Robin Williams. Do you think there's a lot of presumption in in people's comments? Yeah, I I think something uh, that's very clear about all of this. If someone's so beloved, yeah, and we lose them in a sense where it's we all feel it's untimely. Mm -hmm. We all feel they didn't hit their peak. You know, we can look at it and say it's not fair, and that not fair means that we're trying to look for a rational reason because we can't accept it. Trying to justify. Yeah. And when I think of stuff like Robin Williams, I was saying recently, it didn't, it's this weird uh, juxtaposition of they're not always in the limelight. There's massive gaps in film. You, you always hear of the new film that's being released, but it could have been four years in development. Yeah. Could so have been like, filmed five years ago. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Now, yeah. And, and it's scheduled in like mm-hmm. that. And so you have this really disjointed way of seeing celebrities yeah. or actors, especially. Where just because you used to see him in the spotlight, there's been massive gaps of time since this role and that role and this role. And it's that kind of thing with Robin Williams where it seems so sudden. And at the time, everyone was building up this theory that, you know, his career was uh, falling down. He wasn't as popular as he used to be. And I found that sickening. You know, you just read all of this stuff knowing that his daughter's out there reading this, his his family's out there reading this. You, You just feel like... Why can't we just accept the fact that we've lost a really genius mind and we'll never replace that person, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it does lead to this borderline conspiracy. And I feel like in in podcasts, when you're hosting podcasts, anything on this topic, you should always have that kind of integrity to always investigate beyond speculation. When we're talking about Harvey Weinstein, don't demonize the guy until he's been found guilty. We can say, if there's truth to it, it's a nightmare. What a horrendous thing, right? And we can also say it's a really encouraging that this generation might stop all of this corruption in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, yeah. which has to happen. And not just Hollywood, politics, mm-hmm. any business. Anyone in power. Yeah, because I always think it's it's really sad when uh, really talented uh, female actors and young guys are taken advantage of in Hollywood this way. It's it's just, it has to end. It's really, really dark. But to hold it on one or two or three names is crazy. And one of these hypocrisy things, which is, again, nothing to do with the actual uh, name, but Mal Gibson was recently interviewed about Kevin Spacey. Right because he's produced something that Kevin Space is in, or there's some kind of connection. And obviously he's been taken out of the project. They have to reshoot all this stuff because of the controversies around Kevin Spacey. And it's funny. This was on uh, an Irish talk show. So that makes it slightly better. Uh, It's like the Irish equivalent of the BBC. But basically, like, it's funny, isn't it? Because less than five years ago, Mal Gibson was as notorious as all of these names. (laughs) You know, he was in the bad books. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And it, it's just so weird to me. Like, but Mal Gibson handled it really well. Yeah. You know, he wasn't condemning anything. He was just keeping it pretty much factual. Mm-hmm. But it just blows your mind, isn't it? How fickle this all is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like we need to change that fickleness, really. Yeah. The troll element that you were saying in celebrities is the power that every person out there has on social media. Yes. I think there are two arguments to this, and there is criticism will always occur. Criticism will always occur. And once there's a power, a voice to have criticism, everyone feels they can be a critic. So I brought up the subject of comic books a while ago and how the adaptations of comic books into movies have often hit this clangor of everyone destroying 
things before they start. Yeah, because they feel like they're, they're, they're authority. Yeah, they they're know. an encyclopedia of knowledge. Yeah. Now, most of these guys weren't alive in the 70s <laughs> when these comics came out. Most sure. of these guys have discovered these comic books since they've been trend, since they've been fashionable. And that alone is a conversation in itself, really. But the fact that you're talking... What we look at, we look at quite often the corporate side of Hollywood. It's a multi-million dollar, well, billion dollar industry now. We always sort of dehumanize it a bit. We, we're looking at it like it's a monster, really. And a lot of us out there are kind of thinking with a cynical mind that professionalism of that accords and big name actors deserve a good kick in the, in the nuts, basically, you know. Because how dare they be this... You know, there's a lot of jealousy, you could argue, you know, or bitterness from the ground up. And one thing that I find quite fascinating is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business where it's an audience-driven business. Yeah. And realistically, if you're a big fan of movies or you're a big fan of uh, comics or you're a big fan of any art in, in any plateau, it's always an audience participation. And so the audience defines the success of anything. Absolutely. So when you have a percentage of that audience basically negating everything before it even starts, you're in a situation where it's near the end of the industry. It's going to fall apart soon. Mm. And what a sad world that will be in when all of this creative force is just stopped because there is no clear definition between the top power brass, the indie brass, or the real indie brass, or any original innovative thought, it all just is met with this cynicism and critique blanket. Yeah, it's just going to kill everything. It's going to kill everything. And Where's the motivation? People won't want to make anything yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, I think that's actually one massive point, because yeah. you had, there was a turbulence with the Suicide Squad movie, yeah. um, because of everyone reacting so heavily to the trailers or whatever, that they went back to do reshoot, changed it from this hardcore, stark reality which is why they got the director in. Guys, yeah. the, the director of very famous movies, you know, Training Day, et cetera, et cetera, which is a stark, gritty, yeah. gritty, really brilliant piece together thing. And I think everyone criticized it. They wanted the Marvel world and the DC world. They wanted the Joss Whedon rather than the... Chris Nolan. Yeah, or, or uh, any, any interpretation, really. Mm. You've got this situation, therefore, where... People are demanding changes before a film's even completed. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I mean, I remember the backlash when Ben Affleck was called up to play Batman. And you've had Christian Bale for the last sort of three or four years. Yeah, people it. couldn't really accept they it. They couldn't <laughs> accept it. And that's part testament to how good Christian Bale was, mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Which actually was on the fence quite a lot because of a lot of his approach to the character, people were like, oh man, his voice is really stupid or whatever. I personally think it's definitive. Mm -hmm. I don't think there'll ever be a better combo, really. Yeah. But Ben Affleck, he wasn't really given a chance. It was almost like straight away, everyone said it's going to be the worst thing ever and wrote it off. Mm. To justify Ben Affleck, he, he nailed the role. I was actually shocked by it, you mm. know. And it's the Zack Schneider world that is the controversy. I couldn't remember his name. But that's the controversy right now because it's part Chris Nolan and it's part Watchmen. And yeah. I think a lot of people wanted a more lighter world and that's where it's going. Because yeah. ironically, Joss Whedon was brought in for the Justice League. Mm. So he had massive success in the Avengers. They bring him back for the Justice League. So he's played both sides yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's just so funny how the power of the people control the success or the direction of creativity. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, think I put this down to the fact that Hollywood is now an open source, really. It's got younger, and there's a lot more insecurity. And a lot of people are very, very, very aware that it's an audience-driven thing. Mm -hmm. So it's almost this same thing we're talking about talk shows, yeah. where they feel like they need to be directed by the popular opinion. Yeah. And if there's controversy before anything starts... They have to change. It's almost like, we'll just say what you guys want to yeah, hear. Yeah, Which is a very... Well, I'm not sure if I like that dynamic. I mean, like, I understand that as a creator, uh, you know, it's your audience that makes what you make successful. Well, I think... And well, yet... Well, I think it's actually really quite a dangerous path. Yeah. Because when you deal with the world's population, 
and you deal with a movie such as Avatar, which came out, James Cameron, every corner of the globe watched it, it changed, it revolutionized, it created the biggest, it's world record breaking mm-hmm. profit. There's no part of James Cameron that went, I care what anyone else thinks. <laughs> yeah. He just made his film, created it how he saw fit. We all have our criticisms of that film or our things we love about mm-hmm. it, right? But everyone went to see it. Yeah. Like Likewise, The Matrix, mm-hmm. which literally was a punt because uh, Warner Brothers, who, who put it out, I mean, literally didn't have any confidence in it. They didn't understand the script. Mm-hmm. It was too complex. They never thought it would work. And the Wachowskis were brand new. They'd literally done one film prior and to it. And they kept asking for more budget as well. As yeah, they yeah. Along. So it was really risky. I mean, it was it was really... Like, this kind of story is something you do not see happen in Hollywood. This yeah. is, like, literally the exception to every rule mm-hmm. you've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, The Matrix was a, a cluster, really, because things that originally were meant to happen changed on a whim. It was meant to be Will Smith playing the role of Neo. Then it became Keanu Reeves. Yeah. You know, everything starts to change and form. I think Charlie and Fat was offered Morpheus or Jackie Chan or something like that. It all changed and evolved, you know. When you get the final film, you have something that is so close to being a miss rather than a hit because I remember watching that. And I remember watching that the first time and it was so ahead of its time mm-hmm. that... Half the audience was completely alienated, yet they loved it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's been a film that has had that much of an impact in the industry as far as tech and forward thinking and narrative and opening so many doors into Japanese concepts and thoughts and Asian thoughts. It really was like a game changer. Just the first one, the sequels. (laughs) But the first one really blew minds, right? Yeah. And what was really interesting is not only did that make its money back tenfold Mm -hmm. it launched a career of two very 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 skilled directors Mm -hmm. that before literally had done nothing really before that they did a film bound which was critically acclaimed it was an art film really or an indie film but the matrix was that kind of a gamble with james cameron again you've got that original thought and anyone who's uh seen it will all take things away and say it's based on this this or we've seen something similar to this fern gully came up a Mm -hmm. lot the animation, a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff came up a lot, Miyazaki. It's nothing new, basically, but it's just the way it was this technological advancement that everyone loved. When I think about this and I think about the comment day trend of the control people have over, you know, the comic book world, which is predominantly the top selling and top grossing movie releases every year, even in TV as well. Uh, it's totally dominating. It's a genre-dominating time, really. Yeah. And when you think about the amount of control that an audience has within the creative process, I'm almost like saying to myself, you're catering, you're pandering film to what you think the popularized viewpoint of it should be. Yeah. For example, Guardians of the Galaxy was an uh, unknown success. Mm-hmm. The sequel, again, an unknown it blew records etc etc it changed thor thor ragnarok and if you've seen the thor trilogy out there the marvel universe you got three films the first two are very shakespearean very period very classic Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a nod to sci-fi there's a nod to this and that but the humor is really minimal and it's more an exceptionally scripted and acted piece really but then they decided well we've had the success of garden galaxy we had the success when we made the avengers more comedic Mm -hmm. We'll turn this into pure comedy and get one of the Concord guys, yeah. you know, Flight of the Concord, New Zealand comedy troupe. We get him in and change everything and then throw out the 80s again, which has been massively popular oh, in yeah. Stranger Things and all of this stuff. Yeah. And to me, that's a real tragedy with the, the way creativity is going. It's almost like these people in social media are controlling what we're seeing in their popularized viewpoint. And I don't think they talk for everyone in the world. I think they talk for a percentage. Yeah. Once upon a time, Hollywood did this thing called test screening. Mm. And in test screening, it was almost like you would uh, get a, a kind of mixed target audience. You'd control it with demographic and you'd bring people into it. I've been to one. I've mm. been to a few of them, actually. And you will have to You get this little uh, questionnaire where you fill it out and you say what you liked and what you didn't like. Yeah. 
And test screenings were, you know, a handful of people from different groups of thought and, and different age ranges and all of this stuff. And you'd find kind of statistics after three or four test screens of really who your demographic is. This is how it used to be. Yeah. Now I think it's social media. Yeah. And what's worrying to me is that it's not just the fact that the loudest margin of social media screams that all celebrities and ask them to change this or do this or or, or develop this, even if it's a chef, Gordon Ramsay has this all the time, you mm. know. You also have that kind of commodity where the in-betweeners, the, the fence-sitters, who want to be part of... You, do you remember when you were a kid and fashion was a big thing? Like if you had a Gucci whatever or I have to say no because I was totally... You were alien I, to that. I, yeah, I purposefully ignored all of that. I was not interested in uh, brands or clothes or anything. Well, it was kind of like... You can appreciate this. So if you had uh, Nike shoes, yeah, Nike were the thing because of your favorite basketball are warm. Okay. You know? So it's a branding thing. Sure. So if you had Nike shoes, you were the best kid in the world, <laughs> right? I mean, really sadly, in the 80s, it was shower suits. Yeah. If you had a shower suit, you were awesome, right? <laughs> um, we can look back at it and go, if you had a shower suit, you should have been shot in the head. Yeah. But anyway, it's how fashion was. Sure. If I have this, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. By a degree, I'm cooler or something leather jacket, whatever it is, this kind of apparel, it's always a fashion thing. Now I think it's more social, the fashion. Mm -hmm. It's almost like brands have become so diluted that it doesn't matter about brands. Do you know what I mean? Like Gucci, it's diluted. Everyone's got a Gucci something. Mm -hmm. I don't personally, I never will. (laughs) But in China or these very wealthy areas like Beverly Hills or something like this, Gucci is nothing. It's just a given. You can only be human if you've got Gucci. Yeah. It's almost kind of weird. So social media has become a trend. So where mass opinion says Batman should be this version of Batman and it should be played by this guy and everyone's like, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I think too. It becomes this this wolf pack mentality. Mm-hmm. It's often started by trolls. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because you say mass opinion, but it's basically we're saying mass opinion on the internet, which is probably percentage of a percentage of a percentage of the world i i call it the, i call it the loudest voice yeah. because it's basically like you get these stats a successful protest is when five hundred thousand people in the street five hundred thousand people aren't even a district in most places in the mm-hmm. world right yeah so it's nothing so you're getting no result i mean if it was half of a country's population in the street then that's a result you know yeah it's the same on the internet. When I use the term the loudest voice and the trending uh, narrative, it's someone screaming at it and they all grip to this concept. That's the uh, diversity we're finding. And it's covering everything. There's a lot of us that just want to see the damn film and we don't <laughs> care, you know. But it's almost like I find it funny because I've used the word film. We bring it back to celebrity. The secular celebrity mm-hmm. is now under the same pressure in social media. If you have Twitter and you're an actor in Hollywood, you are under fire every single day. Almost everything you do is under fire and criticize and destroy. Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Donald Trump is one of these, almost is like the, uh, the, the kind of poster boy of all of this stuff, yeah, really. Yeah. Because he's a celebrity turned president. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think any of us can really credit his, I mean, there is business acumen to Donald Trump, right? You can't deny it. And he, he inherited a lot of it. But you look at that name and brand and thing and you just think celebrity. I would put him in the same, and he he probably won't like hearing this, but I would have put him in the same category as Paris Hilton mm. or something like this. He, he inherited, uh, you know, an emporium, you know, this whole empire. Yeah. He put his own spin on it. He's just an older Paris Hilton, right? But his whole thing with celebrity, reality TV, yeah. guest spots. It's a similar in tier yeah. of celebrity. Guest spots in here and there, mentioning movies. I mean, uh, a celebrity that's big enough to be mentioning movies. Yeah. You know? But no one can really look at him as a president demeanor because of that celebrity thing. But he is literally the poster boy of what I'm talking about. He can get reaction and take reaction and control all hatred and almost viability in in fever pitch yeah and it's when you think of a guy that's lived with the entertainment media forever yeah he's now treating 
the campaign and everything like is is run as president like it's media yeah and it's fascinating because it's sort of the end of that era it's got to stop really to me if it doesn't stop all art's gonna have no meaning i'll give you a case in point really if you take something as simple as um, a book or a video game or something like this where the whole point is immersive fantasy where you escape reality mm-hmm. that's what all entertainment is yes and you have some kid who reviews that book or that game by telling you everything about it. Not only telling you everything about it, but telling you how to cheat it, like breaking down the rules of the the logic of the program and stuff like this. That voice is what film is getting. So you don't even need to see a film. You just read someone's review usually, and it tells you the whole story, beat by beat, you know. And we call this spoiler, but this isn't spoiler. This is ruining the experience for many, many people. Mm. Um, it's not spoiler. It's destructive. Yeah. Uh, a spoiler would be to tell you a scene, wrap up. But to tell the whole narrative of something is absolutely ludicrous mm. in my eyes. You know, that should be on the same forefront as piracy. Because mm. you've destroyed the meaning of the art, yeah. you know. And it's one of these grey areas where you don't want to police the internet because of freedom of speech. But when you're working in this craft, when you're working in this industry, when you are making the sacrifices, a lot of people possibly don't understand the sacrifices that is involved because film, and I'll stick with film because I know the most about it, but film is something that you literally have to put everything into the belief of. You're not profit orientated. At least you shouldn't be. The people at the top are, because mm-hmm. they can afford to be, yeah. you know. But when you're starting off in that industry, you can't afford to be. No. And so you're risking everything on the belief that what you're doing is going to be viewed as entertainment. It'll give someone, the hope is that it'll give someone out there a two-hour break from reality, or half an hour, or whatever it to is. To entertain them, yeah. to inspire them. Yeah. To, yeah just make well, them feel I mean, inspiration, or... yeah. I mean, but it's basically just so they can escape. Yeah. And when, you know, you've put so much sacrifice on a lion for that sort of thing, and then some punk comes out and just destroys you, straight up, we should be living in a world where you can make your own mind up. But Mm -hmm. we're actually living in a world where... Well, I I would like people to go, so this guy who's saying something negative, who is this guy? You know, like, what's his authority on this? Is he he a critic or is he just some kid in a basement? Well, (laughs) I I think the point is, like, we get into that thing of star ratings. Yeah. And it's like if you if anyone's seen the Black Mirror series where life is ratings or yes. whatever. Yes, yes. It's very much that episode. It's very much becoming that. And I feel like what's really sad is a lot of people are missing the opportunity. Mm. If you rate low because you want to troll an aspect of something, say you're embittered by one of the actors and they just bug you. And you bring the whole rest of the team down because you want to annihilate that one person. Or anything that Kevin Spacey's ever done. I mean, let's be honest, Kevin Spacey has done some of the best films in the last 20 years. You know, American Beauty, uh, well, loads. And I just feel like to now have this thing where the guy is seen as a monster, you've now ruined that experience. And it wasn't just him. There's many people around him and it was crafted well or whatever, you've now demonized the whole back catalog. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, is that right? Is that correct to assume? Mm. Because it's really weird, isn't it? We constantly, it, it's one of these constant things where you balance in that tightrope. But I like to sort of end this on the conspiracy element because when you're talking celebrity, it's never too far away from conspiracy. The big conspiracies that are discussed quite a lot, especially in the USA, is the Paul McCartney, is he alive, is he dead? I think he's alive, personally. Really? <laughs> well, there's this thing where they think um, he, the real Paul McCartney died in a car accident and he was replaced by a lookalike. Right. Um, I find this mythology, and the Beatles themselves, I think, had practical jokes with it on album covers and stuff like this. Yeah. I don't think you can hold something back like that for that long, you know, and it'd just be written off as conspiracy. I think the truth would have outed on something like that. Mm. But like how uh, was Elvis is still alive Yeah, somewhere. The, the, the big belief that Elvis <laughs> is still alive and he's flipping burgers in a retirement home. Bubba Hotep, really mm-hmm. good film, Bruce Campbell. 
Um, <laughs> that would be my theory. That is fighting zombies in an old folks' home with ninja skills. If you haven't seen Boba Hotep, do so. It's great. But basically, like, no, I, I, I there's all these conspiracies. And yeah. one of the biggest ones, I think, we mentioned Shakespeare earlier, but the belief that Shakespeare was a group of people, not one. Mm. You know, because the inconsistencies in text, yeah, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? It is. It is. You think about all of these politicians that have been assassinated, like the Abraham Lincoln, which is going back many, many, many moons, Mm -hmm. and JFK, and the fact that Trump wants to declassify, or will he, won't he? I don't know. Mm -hmm. The uh, JFK stuff. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. You've also got conspiracies that become celebrity. Yep. Which is quite interesting. The Roswell alien landings, or, you know, there's, there's literal conspiracy theories out there that are popping up. Yeah. It's like Al Ron Hubbard. Honestly, you take Al Ron, you know, you take the author. Was he ever that successful, that notoriety? No, he wasn't because he was considered B, B-list author at best at the time. Mm-hmm. That's arguable, but it was a long time ago. I wasn't alive for it. Mm-hmm. However, he's now known as Mr. Scientology, right? And this is posthumous. This is... He set it up while he was alive, but it's almost like it's really kicked into this global thing since he's not been alive. And you think to yourself, Scientology is actually, in a way, a celebrity. Mm. You know what I mean? I suppose. Yeah. So an event can almost have that kind of grandeur of fame and fortune. and you Yeah, know, as, I, as I mentioned in the YouTube clip, this, you know, the definition of celebrity is just, you know, the state of being known, the fame of it. Exactly. Uh, generally, based on skill, talent, or achievement. But, I mean, if you change the world in some way, then that's... Well, it's, it's, it's also one of these stupid things where there are so many celebrities that aren't real. They're fictional. Uh, fictional oh, yeah. <laughs> Bart Simpson, Homer uh-huh. Simpson. Uh-huh. Um, Snoopy, all the cartoons are alive. Oh, you yeah. know. It's quite funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, celebrity. A creation can be a celebrity. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think that, you know, just to wrap this up, my final point really is um, it's if anyone's out there and they want to break into the music industry, the movie industry, um, even the culinary industry, anything like this, and your aim is to be a celebrity, is to be famous, it's as ludicrous as Snoopy. So don't aim for fame. Love your craft and explore it and just be damn good at it, mm-hmm. you know. I think in terms of talent, anyone who wants to do something new, something creative in any field, there's something that you can do and it's only you who can do it. And the path of success is to find that one thing that you can contribute to the world that no one else can do. Yeah. Regardless of audience. I mean, it's good to know your audience, sure. But the key thing is, you know, who are you? What yeah. can you bring? And it's also a good point to say you can only have reputable fame if you're consistent. And equally, if you're going to criticize every single movement of someone's career and be that obsessive, you've got to at some point take a look at your life. Because in my opinion, what I always do is because I, I, I have no choice as an artist. It's almost like my only drive is to create. And if I'm going to be condemned for my creativity by some guy that's not even going to go out and work a job every day out there in the world, and he's just got this obsession with criticizing myself or anyone like me, you've got to think to yourself at some point, I'll prove them wrong. You know, like if you're going to criticize me, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Do it in your action and I'll forever be a fan of you Yeah, if you can do that. Because yeah. that's what we want. I think... For me, essentially, you want art to continue the cycle and mm-hmm. you want to believe that people out there who are heavily criticized and you can do better than you. That's great. Do so. I want to be a fan of all your work, you know. <laughs> so it's not a challenge as far as whatever. And if you criticize whatever, that's your opinion. And of course, if it's constructive, it helps us do better next time. Mm-hmm. We're never going to stoop to the point where we're going to be audience driven like uh, DC and Marvel. That's something I won't do. Um, it just made me think of a very interesting, uh, installation that you could create that's totally, you know, audience Well, like Shia LaBeouf style? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I saw this piece of art, I, I don't remember where it was, but, um, I think it was in Asia where it was like this massive cube shape made of little cubes. So it's like a bunch of rocks or whatever, but it's in a cube shape. And it was interactive in the sense that the audience came in and they could pick 
a cube and reposition it or take it away. And it actually created this really interesting sculpture. So that's 100% audience based. Yeah. But I, I just think to throw this out for. A the film doesn't work like that. No, well, it can. It can. It, if it's experimental. Okay. I think there's, there's, I mean, this is really because I don't want to seem like I'm being obnoxious saying, hey, don't have an opinion on stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I think my conclusion here is. Uh, well, it's two, really. Number one is if you're going to criticize a celebrity, you should know that celebrity before you criticize them. Otherwise, it's prejudice. And we're living in a world that is so rampantly talking about feminism, equality, gender equality, uh, sexual equality, racial equality, etc. That it's a stupid contradiction to presume you know someone that you've never met yeah. just because you've seen them on TV. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Right. That's one thing that I have a problem with. And also anyone in our industry, talk show or anything like this, who's actually a buddy of these people, I feel take more of a human approach. Don't condemn someone. Try and feel sorry for them. Have some empathy. Yeah. Because if you're profiteering off another person's misery, it doesn't end well. And that's karmatically a negative path. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Common sense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even nothing to do with karma. Mm-hmm. And my final thing is... When I say, as artists, kind of, we're not controlled by our audience like Marvel and DC, it's not disrespect to Marvel and DC. I just think it's a very sad day that a creative person can't just create freely. If we're preaching about freedom of speech, and quite rightly we're doing that, and we're trying to get that across the world, that liberty, there's got to be freedom of expression creativity. Mm -hmm. So if everyone's stockpiling their thoughts and saying... All celebrities must be this alpha thing, this, you know, this perfect angel of a thing without a flaw. It's irrational. And number two, if every movie is what the loudest voice wants, what's the point? If you want to see your comic books leap onto screen direct as that comic book, I'm telling you, it will fail at the box office because you've got that art already. You don't need to see that art moving with words. Mm. It's there you always have to reinterpret for film. And if Hollywood's listening, and I hope you are, always have the nuts, really, to just put out anything that, that you want to put out. Because basically, in the 80s, that's what we're heralding. Yeah. The fact that in the 1980s and beyond the 1980s, everyone just put out what they wanted to put out. And you had hits like Back to the Future and you know, Indiana Jones, all this original stuff. Classics. <laughs> Let's not mention Star Wars. <laughs> And obviously, there was no no control. No. You know, Star Wars now is that expectation thing. Yeah. Oh, it's not what I wanted. Who are you to criticize what it is? It's you never... make a film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make a film that you think is awesome and show us. Yeah, and then you're a celebrity. Brilliant. So that's a nice wrapper. So thanks for being with us. It got quite deep and quite meaningful there. I didn't expect that. <laughs> Next time we'll talk about bananas and satsumas. I don't know what's going on. One one big thing uh, I will say is thanks for uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel. And we will be back up on YouTube. Not in the podcast forum, but we'll be going around the UK. So if you want to see how crazy and stupid our tour is uh, and where we're going to be, that's where you do it. Mm-hmm. We'll also see extra features from the uh, series, the, the outtakes, bloopers, or anything that we can create along the way. That's going to be on there. As far as the podcast links, this is the final one. Next week, we have a guest. And it's kind of a... It actually goes into this quite well. Because if you take two of our guests from the list, Don Dallas Page, mm-hmm. big shout out to him. Former pro wrestler, retired, more or less, turned yoga enthusiast and fitness enthusiast, mm-hmm. I really say, rehabilitation, and he's on a mission. Yeah. You can't really can kind of put it into yoga. But Dallas had that career change. And it, what you said as a point earlier, when you know, you're know you a celebrity and say one path might not work for you, mm-hmm. Gordon Ramsay mm-hmm. started off as a footballer. Oh, yeah. Left that and turned like pro soccer player, if you're listening in America, for Glasgow Rangers, and then turn into a the best chef, arguably, in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Diamond Dallas Page, pro wrestler turned almost rehabilitator yeah. uh, and, and mentor, life mentor, really, mm-hmm. of positive thought and all kinds of good stuff. And our next guest, next week, is a celebrity to me, yeah? Mm-hmm. Started off in a band, yeah. a very successful band, local band, kind of heroes of this region, and ended up being a guru of coffee. All things coffee, 
runs a great little place in Leamington Spa called Warwick Street Kitchen. So she will be here next week to talk everything coffee. Cool. Which is why she's a hero to me, because uh, coffee is great. She's a celebrity to you. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. But I just want to say that's an interesting kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. So whenever uh, you're out there and you want to give up because your acting career hasn't taken off the way you wanted it to, don't give up because there's always another channel. There's there always... might be something around the corner yeah. that you didn't expect. And if you're creative at base level, you will find a creative answer. And, you know, Lydia will be great to talk to. Yes. Really. Yeah. So stay tuned for Lydia next week, Wall Street Kitchen. Thanks for watching all the tie-ins. It's been six weeks of them. Uh, and thanks for watching our series on Amazon Prime. Keep keep doing so and keep telling your friends about it and make sure they go as crazy as you lot for watching it. Yay! It's great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll be back to standard podcast from next week on. And I'll leave it to you for the wrap-up win. Thanks. Don't forget to watch Project FIA on Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com. Our YouTube channel is FIA Gets Tubed. Feel free to comment and also reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. Bye.